Welcome to Screen Therapy. I'm your host, Jason Schurz. In October of 2018, I found myself in the hospital, sitting across from a psychiatrist who was telling me that I was bipolar. I was released with a bunch of medication and laid on the couch for about a week. I had my iTunes library on shuffle, trying to shake the hornet's nest from my head. Ever since I was a kid, I've been using music for therapy and as a way to escape. Punk rock and mental health have always been connected. This podcast looks at that connection through the lens of different guests. This is Screen Therapy. Health scares are, by their very definition, scary. When Western addiction singer Jason Hall collapsed on his daily jog, what happened as a result shook his world. Jason began to feel intense pressure and stress while his San Francisco punk five-piece was readying their third album, Frail Bray. With anxiety that dates back to his childhood, it's no small wonder he had what doctors think might have been a mental breakdown. Even with his world closing in on him, Jason had music. Using it as daily therapy, he kept up his routine of listening to music almost non-stop at home. This reminds me of when I came home after my mental breakdown and bipolar diagnosis. I told my wife and my father-in-law that I needed to leave music on non-stop to soothe my head. I needed anything other than the feeling of a sledgehammer to the skull. That's how I felt after my psychotic break. The brain is a powerful thing. During my depressive episodes, it can tell me everything is wrong and nothing is right. When Jason collapsed on his forest jog, his brain told him that the left side of his body didn't work. But your brain can also tell you how to express yourself, how to connect, how to scream. Jason Hall is the kind of punk singer that gives it his all. He's known to jump in the crowd just to rattle them up, finding people in the audience who share common ground. At this point, we all know that punk rock is scream therapy. Jason receives it every day. Hi, this is Jason Hall, and I sing for Western Addiction, a hardcore punk band out of San Francisco, and we have a new record called Frail Bray that just came out a week or so ago. In terms of mental health, it's definitely a topic within our lyrics. I never really thought about it deeply. The request to be interviewed here made me think back through the history of my childhood, so it's interesting to think about it and talk about it, and leading up to this record, I don't know if I had a mental breakdown, but something happened. I had a, a health scare, and we can talk about that in the interview. Cool. Well, welcome. A couple of things struck me from the information that you sent to me. The first thing was you said that you collapsed while you were jogging during the recording of this new record, and I was curious to find out more about that. Yeah, I'm generally like a pretty intense person. I'm pretty anxious and always kind of on go, 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 go. It's very irritating for the band, <laughs> but we, we do get some things because I am so pushy, but I'm trying to work on it. So I know we're not a full-time band, but I'm an all or nothing person. So I have a family, I have a full-time job, but I give the band as much energy as I possibly can. I was sweating the recording, sweating the artwork. We're having big arguments about the artwork but I'm also trying to keep going and I'm not like a health person, but I just exercise every day. And I was jogging in the dark at 6 a.m. near our house. There's this road that goes out to the ocean and it's beautiful. 
even if I'm tired, I'll push myself and my, my right side of my body went numb and my leg didn't work and I fell right in the street. And I was just laying there in the dark and I'm like, this is it. It was a good run. I, I'm done. And so it was pretty scary though because I naturally assumed that I had a stroke. So I had to have all these tests. I had to have CAT scans study your heart, all these heavy duty tests. And it was really scary to collapse because when I got home too, I had to walk home. My leg was all bloody and, and I was just staring at my family through the window. I'm like, this is it. This is, I'm done. I'm useless for them. And it was pretty scary. Yeah. So after going through all these tests, I was fine. Everything checked out, but my neurologist and a couple other people, they're like, you might've had a mental breakdown. I'm like, get out of here. In the subsequent weeks, like we had a couple like really intense band fights about the artwork. And let me tell you, like artwork for a rock and roll record, it's silly. And I know I'm being silly, but I care about it. But I could feel those symptoms flaring up again. We <laughs> we were arguing about the art and I'm like, I'm going to have a stroke. I have to walk out of here. But what this collapse did help was for me to identify when I'm feeling anxious. And now... One of my good friends, he's like, here's the test, dude. He goes, if it's not like your life, F it, bail it. And I kind of have been doing that where something that's super intense, I just walk away. So, yeah, it was scary. <laughs> I, I listen to music while I run, and that song called Hammer to the Skull by Wolf Brigade was playing. It has the most ominous intro where it's almost like these gongs that are happening. And I feel that was playing while I was just laying there in the dirt. So now my mind is attached to that song in kind of a funny, not funny way. The other thing that really struck me about the notes that you sent was the fact that your hometown burned down. That really made me shake my head. What happened there? I'm sure you heard of like the big fires. I think it was 2018 now. But anyways, there was big fires in Northern California. And my parents, they live in a town called Paradise, California. And I grew up there from, I think, four years old until I was about 23, I believe. And it's gone. It, <laughs> it took the town. My parents are safe and all my, I have other family members and cousins and all their houses are gone. My wife was actually the one that called my dad and he's, yeah, I'm seeing some smoke. And she's like, dude, get out of there. What are you doing? But he's proud. And he's like, you know, he'd lived through some other fires too. So he was trying to wait it out, but I don't love my hometown and I wanted my parents to make a change, but I didn't want them to make a change this way. And I didn't know how fast it happened. It was like 6 a.m., some sort of power surge in the mountains. By 11 a.m., your town is gone. Their identity is with that town. I don't, when I moved to San Francisco, everything about me changed. My politics, my empathy for humans, how many people I met. I met gay people. I met transgender people. Every kind of person. And it made me empathetic. And I think some of that doesn't get through in small towns. I'm not trying to bag them, but I've lived through small towns, big towns, everything. And so I'm not glad that paradise is gone, but I did want them to make a change and get out of there. But I could see how hard it was for them. And 
it is weird to have your childhood erased in a sense. What was it like growing up as a weirdo um, in a town like that? Well, I don't know. We, In the same way I prepared for this interview, I'm starting to look back and see some things, you know? It's nice to have someone that understands to talk to about it. So in the same way that I feel like the band doesn't really fit anywhere, I'd say we're like a traditional hardcore punk band, if you think of 80s hardcore, but we're on a pop punk label. And so there's all these happy pop punk bands. And then the metal and really hardcore people, they're not really giving us a chance until they see us. So we're kind of lost. And thinking about through my childhood, I always think of myself as kind of like a nothing person. I wasn't a skateboarder, but I skateboarded. I wasn't a rocker or a punk, but I listened to music my whole life. I played sports. I kind of bounced around between different groups. But you know how you, you, you know music people? You know, that's a music person. They've been listening to music forever. I never thought of myself that way. Or I don't even think of myself as a musician. I think I enjoy writing songs. But looking back, I'm like, I listened to records my, my whole life, whether it was a, my Star Wars record on my turntable. My dad gave me a guitar I, when I was, I think, 12 or 13. And he just bought it off some dude at his work and said, here, you're doing this. And I said, okay. <laughs> and so... I wasn't like a misfit or an outcast, but I can kind of see all these things about me, especially having kids to have my, my little daughter. She's very happy and very extroverted, but she has this intensity and she cries a lot. And I was remembering I cried a lot as a kid because I was just so, I wanted things to be so right. And my homework, I would cry every night. And looking back, I'm like, that probably wasn't okay that I was doing that. But So looking back, do you think that was anxiety? Yeah, I do. I think I had a lot of anxiety and I didn't know how to deal with it. And then when I was going to go to college, I was having such bad depression that my mom was like, you, you don't have to do this if you don't want to. And she, she is actually really helpful. She put me on antidepressants and looking back on that, I can see why that was the choice. I feel it scrambled my brain a little bit. I feel like I used to have a really good memory, like a very sharp memory. And I know I'm getting older. But I don't know if my memory is, is as good now. I'm a little bit more spacey, a little bit more dreamer now. Looking back, now I can see some of the patterns. And what's it been like to deal with anxiety in your adult years? I'm a little better at it. My wife is really, she's really emotionally intelligent. And she can really, you know how some people are really good at reading their bodies? And I just ignore it. Okay, eat your feelings and go forward, you know? And I don't talk about it. Actually, our guitarist, Tony, he's really good about expressing his feelings. And I've watched him and he's not afraid to say, I'm feeling this or I'm feeling that. I would just never do that. But I'm kind of like learning. And my wife is always telling me there's three ways. Well, there's several ways to take your mind off things or to pull yourself out of these things. One is to help other people. You have to get out of your own head and give some time to some other people. Two is exercise. And I have never been an exercise person until like four or five years ago. And now it's changed my life. And I'm not a runner and I don't talk about exercise and I don't take gym selfies and I hate all that stuff. <laughs> but I'm, but no, no offense to the people that do that. It's just no one wants to see me take a photo of myself in the gym or whatever. I just do it in private. And music. I listen to music every single day. Music's going from 7 a.m. in our house till 11 p.m. And sometimes <laughs> it's going so much they're like, it's midnight. It's time. And I'm like, okay, fair, fair, fair. So I'm better about it now. And then having having the health scare and the collapse and I've been able to address it or walk away from it. I mean, 
this sounds crazy and I haven't told anyone this, but when I was inside the CAT scan machine, I did the head and neck and brain one. It's radical when you're in that tube. If you have claustrophobia too, it's kind of scary. I could see people freaking out. And I, when I got out, I, I looked at the technician. I go, hey, do people ever freak out in there? She's like, oh, yeah, all the time. I'm like, why didn't you say something? She's like, well, I didn't want you to freak out. I was like, okay, fair enough. But when you're in there, also, since you're a music person, it kind of sounds like industrial hardcore. <laughs> yeah. Where, right? Like skinny puppy or something. It sounds like skinny puppy. And so that was more comforting to me because I'm like, damn, this is trying to follow the beat of it. <laughs> but when you're in that tube, you're thinking like, oh, man what is your life becoming or what is it <laughs> if my family had to see me in this tube and they know that I'm not going to be present to help them it's sort of humbling does music calm your mind absolutely it's so calming and so emotionally driven that I could cry at any time when I'm hearing it I have some theories about what makes a good song and they're not popular theories but I, I think when you hear a really good song and it's because of vocal melody, I think that's the number one way to make you feel the sensation of it's like lightning shooting up your back. It goes behind your right shoulder blade. It goes behind your ear and you have the sudden urge to cry. It's like a physiological response. Have you ever felt that feeling? I get really tingly and I do sometimes cry. But yeah, I get these sort of tingly feelings up my body. I don't know if it's the same direction you're talking about. It does overwhelm me sometimes, and it's usually some of my favorite songs I've heard through the years. Um, yeah. You know, it just brings back that rush of memories. Yeah, I think that's it. I write all the songs for the band, and I write all the lyrics and everything. And I'm not a good singer, but, I'm, but I really like songwriting, and I have these set of songwriters where I'm like, they can do it. It's a special group of people in the world, you know, and it, it's like Paul McCartney, John Lennon, Paul Simon, um, Rhett Miller from the old 97, Stuart Murdoch from Bell and Sebastian. There are these people that know this secret that other bands don't. It's kind of like a secret in the plain view. And the way they match melody, vocal melody with chord structures, it elicits this feeling. So if you think of the song Yesterday, you know, just like the first three seconds of Yesterday by the Beatles you get this feeling. You're like, damn, how did they unlock that little secret? And you can see it across all songs, all genres. Well, for me, it's propaganda. Every song they wrote pretty much gives me the chills. Todd Kowalski's voice is just, just sends shivers up your spine. Another way to get at that feeling is through sheer power, and it happens in different art forms. So we were playing with propaganda in San Luis Obispo, you know, small west coast town and todd sang the f the border song and his voice is so powerful i cried a little bit there's a couple people that have insane delivery he's one of them ice cube is another one his delivery is so damn good it's so present and so powerful him and chuck reagan oh yeah totally chuck reagan it is like a bear growling at you yeah. I told them once, too. I was like, man, you have the best delivery. You and Ice Cube. And he started laughing. <laughs> but you're right. Todd from Propaganda, he, it's so powerful. It made me cry. It's embarrassing to cry and watching this, you know. <laughs> we love him so much. He sang on our last record. And there's few times in the band where the guys are all, yes, 
and that was one of the times. I'm like, what do you guys think about Todd? They're like, absolutely, dude, get him. Yeah, he was on the podcast, so that was pretty cool having him on. Yeah. Such a um, good guy. He's a musical and life idol of our band. All the guys in Propaganda, and then I haven't met their good new guitarist, Celine. They're like people I want to be. When you're growing up or even through your adult life, are there certain songs or bands that you realized, oh, wait a second, they're talking about depression or anxiety? I think the first time I really like thought about, oh, this is a depressed person was Nirvana. And I know that might sound cliche, but that is right in my age pocket where I lived in a small town too, so I, I wasn't cool. But we did have 120 minutes on MTV. I saw Nirvana and I went to school the next day and I was like, I saw this thing, this band, and I don't know what they are. You know, like when you can't process why something's good, but you're like, it, it was good. Of course, I love Nirvana, and then I started reading about him and all his challenges. I didn't put two and two together, like how heavy it was, but I recognized in the music, like, oh, this person has some problems, and I relate to these things, and I like these things. I don't think I ever felt suicidal. I mean, I knew it was a concept, but I definitely knew that the depression he had, I had some of those things, and I couldn't figure out why, why I was having these things. I do have this this other unpopular theory. <laughs> People that like hardcore and metal and rock and roll, they have this this restless spirit that's running through them. It's not like you're an uneasy person, but there's something firing pretty hot inside you. <laughs> I'm a pretty calm person, and I have a professional job, and I'm a dad. And but there's something firing through me that I've found in my other friends that that enjoy rock and roll or hardcore to where you could listen to a band like Botch or something, and you're like, this sounds wonderful to me. <laughs> you know. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I just did a podcast with Jacob Bannon from Converge, so same kind of world. I love those kinds of bands. I mean, Botch are right up there for, for me, and Dillinger Escape Plan and yeah, Converge. Cool. And, but why? Why would anybody listen to something like that? You know, I, I think it's know. just chaos. It is, but in the same way I hear classical music, I'm like, this is beautiful. And then I hear Dillinger Escape Plan. I'm like, this is beautiful. <laughs> like, what? Does it make any sense? Uh, do you want to hear a story? Yeah. I was on a plane a few years ago, and I was sitting beside this guy who had his headphones on, older guy. And I asked him what he was listening to, and he said classical music. And I said, oh, yeah, I am too, but it's a different kind of classical music. So I was listening to Converge. So I gave him my headphones, and the reaction on his face, he just he just loved it. His eyes just lit up, and he was just so excited. That That is awesome. It it's funny how people can pull different things out of music. I work in like the corporate world and I work with really smart people, you know, with radical pedigree and schooling and they're very smart, but there is a wave of being emotionally intelligent. I'm not saying I'm intelligent, but I do feel things in different weird ways. And I feel people, even just talking to you, I feel some commonalities. You know what I mean? When you talk to people, I'm so glad this rise of people that can feel things is being rewarded a little bit because usually it's like, what do you mean? That didn't happen in the meeting. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it did. Did you, did you see their body language? Everything about them, their clothes, the way they're speaking, the way they were hyper aggressive, that means they're insecure. Like I'm sensing these things and I kept saying them for years and people are dismissing me, but now they're listening a little bit, which is kind of cool. In regards to having the breakdown, do you still have nervousness or anxiety around that happening again? Yeah, I do. I didn't jog, and I'll preface it with that. I'm not like a runner, and I don't have all the stuff. And <laughs> I'm like, you know, a dying mule out there. I'm just trying. <laughs> but I was scared to go 
And then now I think of that Wolf Brigade song all the time. And when it comes on, I'm like, uh-oh. fall down in the forest and that's it after this happened too when I was still trying to figure out everything that was wrong with me I had a couple episodes at work where I had to leave work which is pretty embarrassing like I was going to fall down in my work and I had to take the bus home but I think I was learning to manage intense anxiety and so now I kind of feel it and if my body is overwhelmed I don't push it as hard even the guys in the band, they're like, you got to rest sometimes. I'm like, I don't know. We would play a show, drive till four in the morning. I get the guys up at eight. Let's roll. And they're like, you're going to break apart. And I was kind of like, well, you know, I'm just driven. But they were right a little bit. Yeah. And now I'm better at sensing things. And so when I feel those things coming on, I'm like, okay, maybe I shouldn't get up at six in the morning and jog through the dark. What about being on stage? Actually, I was really worried about that three months before our record comes out, I'm having these episodes. It's a really exciting time for the band. We're starting to get all these awesome shows. Bad Religion asked us to play with them. Propaganda asked us to play with them. We finally got on some European festivals, three big ones where we're like, whoa, this is kind of happening. Like, this is exciting. And I'm like, oh my gosh, you guys, if I fall down on stage, you just got to drag me off, you know, take me out back and shoot me. But I was very worried about it. Even like the first night after at practice, I went to my doctor and I was like, it's also really, you know how it's so embarrassing to explain? I'm like, I'm in this music group. And they're like, oh, cool. I love music. What's it like? And I'm like, oh, gosh. And I explained to them, like, it's pretty intense. Can I do this? And they're like, yeah, I think you can do this, but you got to kind of watch for the signs. I give it my all. I feel like I'm going to have a stroke every time we play because... I just believe in a show and I see people getting bored and I'm like, I got to give them all. It's not fair. I got to make it entertaining, but I was worried. Yeah. Were you diagnosed when your breakdown happened? Did your health team give you any diagnosis? Yeah. They thought I had this thing called hemiplegic migraines, this rare condition where the symptoms mimic a stroke. And so that's why I thought I had it because I had every test. I had ultrasounds. I had a scan of my carotid arteries. I had CAT scan, all that stuff. All of them came back pretty good. And it wasn't disappointing, but I was like, oh no, so is it just like my brain broken? Like, what's up? And they think I have these kind of migraines. And I also have, I'm not a person that talks about my health either, but I'm forced to now. And so I have really intense tightness in my neck and shoulders. And so I have to go back and get a CAT scan of my neck to make sure something isn't pinched up there. They think it's these hemiplegic migraines. When they're trying to figure it out, too, they put me on this anti-seizure medication called Keppra. And that just scrambled my world, man. I hated being on medication again. And it was intense. Like, this cannot be the new me, and I can't, I can't live through this. There were some, like, tough times I had to go. My little daughter's getting into skiing, and I, I skied all growing up because I was from a mountain town, but I haven't done it in 20 years. And she's like, oh, would you please take me skiing? And I'm like, absolutely, I'll take you skiing. You know, the mountain is beautiful and the bright sun and could be possibly the worst place for me to have a flip out. So that's what they think it is. And then also some other antidepressants that you have to try just to chill out the anxiety. I think I could go off it now because I'm better at sensing it. But 
it was a trip to not be on any medicine. I don't like any medicine. I just like your body calibrating. One thing my doctor did tell me was the older you get, the harder it is for your body to keep things in. So I have a pretty wild mind. And my doctor was like, you have a wild mind, huh? And I was like, thank you for noticing. <laughs> and then they're like, the older you get, the harder it is for your body to keep those wild thoughts in. So some of them kind of squirt out the side. And I think that's what's happening to you. And I'm like, oh, awesome. But I do have a wild mind. And that's why I'm in a band. But it's, it's exhausting, as you know. Yeah. You mentioned about playing music so much during the day, hours upon hours, day and night. Do you ever think about what it would be like if there was only silence and you didn't have that? My wife has a job where she's in the public all day and she's really good about talking to people, connecting to people. She's an introvert as well, but she has the gift of sharing and being present and giving her energy to people. And so I'm like, listen to this song when she gets home. I go, what did you listen to on the ride home? She's like, I didn't listen to anything. I just want to hear nothing for a second and be present and be in my silence because she's really good at being connected to herself. <laughs> I was talking to someone else about when you go to someone's house for dinner and they don't have music on, I kind of like lean to my family. I'm like, what kind of perverts are these people? <laughs> I think that music and punk rock is a defense mechanism for mental illness. It gets you in a different zone. It doesn't allow you to really sit in your feelings. I think it's very purposeful and it has deep meaning, but I think that it does in some ways distract and not allow you to slow down or stop and feel what's going on. I could see that. I mean, I listen to like a lot of intense black metal and death metal and sometimes it's too much for me to take. Even I'm like, nope, and I can take anything. You know, like the first time I took my wife to see the Murder City Devils botch was opening for them. She just looked at me and it was just metal on metal and lights flashing and she's like, "Is this legal?" And I'm like, <laughs> and she's seen punk shows her whole life. Um, and I'm like, I don't know. It sounds illegal. It sounds awesome. <laughs> but, you know, it's also therapy. It's like a medicine. It's also a soothing thing, which is weird because a band like Botch, I mean, I can listen to them at night when I'm trying to fall asleep. And yeah. most folks listen to ocean sounds and I'm listening to chaos and fury, right? So Yeah, it, it makes sense. In music, I have met lots of people like this, like you, like me. The band had someone close to us pass. I actually wrote a song about him on our last record. And instantly I can look in his eyeballs and I can feel the energy. And that's why I like talking to him. Oddly enough, that theory I told you about early about vocal melodies and the lightning running up the spine, he knows it too. And we used to talk about bands and I can see the intensity. I call it pinball eyes where you can just see things bouncing around in there. I'm like, ooh, this person's interesting, you know? <laughs> And he had it, and he was a good pal. And so I'm, I've met these cool people along the way that feel and know what I know. I never talked about this stuff. I would just have had this episode, and I would have just ate the feelings and kept going, you know? But now it's stopping me. It's saying, no more, pay attention, or we're going to stop you. Thanks for listening to the latest episode of Scream Therapy. I thought I'd tell you a little bit more about myself. I was born in Powell River, a small coastal town in British Columbia, Canada. I spent more than 20 years in the media industry, managing newspapers and writing and editing for magazines and online publications. After my mental breakdown in 2018, I had to take a break because everything seemed impossible. I needed to focus on my recovery. I did my best to take care of my mental health while dealing with the intense mood episodes of bipolar. 
I was trying to help other people as well through support groups and also doing some health coaching. I'm doing everything I can, and I've been getting back to the kind of work that I love. This podcast has been a big part of that. After some serious soul-searching, I decided to go back to school at the age of 47. I'm doing a Master of Fine Arts in Creative Nonfiction at the University of King's College that will allow me to work from home. In two years, I should have a book written. And surprise, it's also called Scream Therapy. And surprise again, it's about the link between punk rock and mental health. I'm excited about it, but I want to be sure that I pay close attention to my symptoms and stay as healthy as I can. One of the most important things about mental health is staying positive. I'm really glad that this podcast has been a big part of my recovery, and I thank you for listening. Screen Therapy is now airing on college and community radio stations. They include my hometown radio station, CGMP, out of Pell River, CJSF 90.1 FM, Simon Fraser University, Radio Humber from Humber College in Toronto, Ontario, and Radio Waterloo, CKMS, from Waterloo, Ontario. You can connect with me at soundcloud.com slash screamtherapy. Thanks again for listening, and until next time, take care and be well.